middle cough. Hey, behaves. Welcome to draft month, John. That's what everybody's talking about. April is here and the draft is in this month. Well, you're not ready to break down opening day? Pitchers, catchers, uh, shifts, uh, runners on second. How about the? I love the. I love the Blue Jays powder blues. They are badass. I'm gonna give myself a Blue Jay hat. I, uh, Seven three eights. I got a big cabeza. I, it's a great logo. I remember Little League. To me, the two favorite logos like other teams had the throwback Blue Jays. My team, third grade, Luke Air Force Base. We were the Reds. Yeah. It was white with red pinstripe. The hat was white, red pinstripe, red bill. I mean, that's a, that was a sick, like, early 90s jersey, like those Barry Larkins Reds jerseys. This Blue Jays jerseys, remember what the Blue Jays logo was, like, a few years ago when it was, like, some future, it was, like, this big, ugly, they were, like, gray anthracite with, like, this ugly-ass big J. I don't really remember that. The throwbacks is the way to go. Just go back uh, when, to what people loved in the 90s. That's when, when, the when I was in Little League, Davis Little League, the Blue Jays were a powerhouse. They had Brian Hawkins. They had Juan Medrano. They had Kenton Stanhope. I just remember they, they were just... They, From the Stanhope the family. Baseball family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then, <laughs> then the other powerhouse had Mike Brown, Chris Williams, and A.J. Riding. It was what, just... Those were the two teams. What team was that? The Minnesota Twins that was coached by this dude that was going to UC Davis. That, was, that treated the team guy like George Steinbrenner. He recruited, he scouted, and he I, one year he tanked to be able to have the number one pick in the draft, and then he had the number one pick in every round, and that's how he got Mike Brown. That's how he got fucking A.J., I think in like the second round, but A.J. was this unreal, like Kenny Laughlin-level uh, leadoff hitter. He was fast. He could play defense. Mike's hitting bombs. Chris Williams is throwing like 100, who's now my brother's neighbor in Davis. That, t- that team was – I remember facing them going like, one, I suck at baseball. Two, this team feels like I'm playing the big league twins. It was crazy. AJ and AJ would get on base basketball. every time, and then he would steal. It was just an unstoppable force. That was – if you had somebody that could steal, even oh. if you had to wait until the ball crossed Well, you did. Play. You did. You did. But it didn't matter. <laughs> Mike Brown's coaching at the Hawaii now. Yeah. He was good in Little League. Then he was good in college. He's a then good he was, college uh, high school football player, too. He was. Uh, Davis has not turned out a lot of those, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, we, no, we've we had have a few. Not. But I think uh, Jonah Williams, the dude that played for the Bengals, that tore his ACL, started at Davis High before Alabama. he, I think, transferred to like the powerhouse Folsom or whatever. Then he went to Alabama. No big deal. We claim him. But didn't did he work out with EGG at Davis? Yeah, yeah I mean, he was Davis, a Davis, Davis guy. So that's Davis. <laughs> Jonah we're going, Williams. We're going deep here, everybody. <laughs> uh, I'm Guy. That's John. Just if you're yeah. new, and we we get some new people from the tube. Um, so welcome, welcome. Big month for us. Uh, we'll have a mailbag coming out uh, again on Saturday. We've been doing the weekend mailbags. Last week, remember, we didn't have the weekend mailbag in the thread. It was only on YouTube or in the feed. It was only on YouTube because we had the emergency pod. But So that'll be back in both spots. Leave us a question uh, on iTunes and a review. That's how you get in the mailbag. Pretty easy, guy. Pretty easy. Also, check out this thing called YouTube. You just type in Haber Middlecoff. We have a channel that I don't know is growing at an exponential rate right now. Thank God. We appreciate your trade, Kyle. And uh, go check it out. A lot of content. We do, obviously, we repurpose some of this podcast content. We do separate content. Uh, we'll just keep it flowing. So just go check it out and be one of the many. You said you got in on the ground floor. That's right. Before we go public. <laughs> yeah. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Yeah, We appreciate friends. that. All right. A lot to dive into. Before we get to it, though, we are also, as we record this on Thursday, one 
week away from the Masters. Dun, dun, dun. As we're recording this right now, dun. it's 12 o'clock. I think a week from today, we'll probably be recording this as well. I bet Charlie Hoffman's in the lead. Charlie Hoffman, I would say the last decade or two decades, has led the Masters on Thursday. It feels like seven times. So I would say decent chance Charlie Hoffman or sneaky Lee Westwood, also another king Mm. of leading the Mm. Masters on Thursday and Friday. Uh, MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. This guy's also currently in the lead of the Valero, but he's been playing really well. Last time I checked, he's won the Masters before. His odds are pretty terrible, though. This guy went from being like a 50 to 1 guy the last couple years to now he's 10 to 1 to win the Masters. Do you like Jordan Spieth 10 to 1 guy? No. <laughs> Obviously not. I like Tony. Like, give me Tony Fino. What, what do you think about Mr. Clovis, SMU, the big guy? 9 to 1. Love him. Strong odds. Love him. If you're telling I, me DeChambeau, if you're telling me uh, Spieth is 10 to 1, yeah, give me DeChambeau at 9 to 1. You see DJ's dinner? It's a great dinner. It is. I, if I, the only change I would make is I wouldn't even include the fish. I'm with just go with the red meat. Let's go with the red meat. Um, apple co- it was like apple cobbler. Yeah, with and ice cream. some other dessert. Yeah, two desserts. Just a Caesar salad. Is that right? Maybe. Yeah, I think Caesar. You know, Tiger went. Tiger went all over the map. He like went sushi with fajitas and milkshakes and churros. Like he just everything that he thought was cool. He just put on. I'd be I. I DJ played it simple, which is smart. And I think Jordan Spieth, I don't think it's out of the realm possibility Jordan Spieth's in the mix. But well, 10 to 1, I kind of like, I saw Westwood was like 40 to 1. He's been playing really well, and he's played well at the Masters before. I don't think it's crazy. Is, it, is, it, who's, is his cousin on. his caddy this week? Who's, who's he got on uh, the back? Yeah, it's, it's probably a coin flip between one of his three kids, his, his uh, fiance, and like his buddy from uh, Europe. <laughs> you know, so just... Baseball's your giant. You can bet on baseball. Real games. Um, You know what I might try? Let me, uh, as I get signed in here. Oh, and the Final Fours this weekend. Um, What I might try is, where did I go here? MLB first five inning lines. I've tried it. It's hard, guy. Here's one I heard somebody suggested to me the other day. Um, Actually, I just thought of this. Gonzaga first half is eight against UCLA. So they're playing that game, even though these teams played Monday, Tuesday on Saturday. The game is being played Saturday. Yep. The women's final four is Friday. Men's final four is Saturday. Gonzaga for the game is 14. That's a lot. UCLA plays in a lot of close games. Gonzaga's been annihilating people. UCLA's been a little slow starting. Gonzaga, we've seen, has been fast starting. You know, just just the thought. uh, Gonzaga minus eight. First half. I don't. I don't hate that at all. I'm just seeing with the final four game odds. I would imagine you can't even get them one to one, huh? Gonzaga to win outright. Yeah. The uh, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I'm going to national championship. Gonzaga odds. to oh oh national championship. Gonzaga by the way to win the game minus four fifty. That's a hundred bucks. Pays you want to you want to take a guess what Gonzaga is to win the national championship? Uh, yeah, like one to four. Not quite that much, but one it's to, about one to two and a half. About one to one to two and a half. Yeah, minus two forty. So you got to bet two hundred forty dollars to win a hundred. So if you think that to me the way the bet would be would be just Baylor, probably right. You get them four to one, or Houston. Just I mean, you'd put money on one of those two teams, right? What's Houston's you, odds? 
Eight you're just saying one. you just pick one one of those teams is going to be in the national championship game. Exactly, because I don't think it, it's UCLA had a hell of a run. They're probably going to be overwhelmed, and it's not. This no is not. One, yep. it's, yeah, this is not you, ideal. You, bad matchup. Is that the what people on the streets are saying? <laughs> I mean, Gonzaga was a bad matchup for USC. That people thought USC was a bad matchup for Gonzaga. Now I do think UCLA's got a little more grit to them, but. Yeah, I, I watch Gonzaga. It feels like they got grit, they got talent, they well, got shooters, they got dunkers. <laughs> yeah, they, they haven't don't. played this. The stat I know they play in the WCC, but still, the stat's crazy. They have not played in a in a in a single digit game since they beat West Virginia on December second. They haven't they haven't lost a game this year, correct? They are trying to become the eighth unbeaten national champion of all time. First since? Do you know the answer to this one? Bobby Knight's Indiana team and in, was it 78 79 oh, I was assuming it was like one of his 80s teams but it might have been 77 I saw I saw that Indiana when they hired Mike Woodson one thing they did was like uh some of Bobby Knight's like go-to guys like Calvin Chaney and some other guys were part of the people that the AD reached out to it's like oh yeah of course shocker they went in-house uh, <laughs> se- 76 76 by the way back when people were doing it like because the Bruins did it in uh, 72-73. Indiana did it 76. The other two, one was University of San Francisco did it in like 51 or something like that. Yeah, and then who was the other team? I forget. I think it's pretty crazy that you've got a David-Goliath matchup and it's Gonzaga and UCLA and Goliath is Gonzaga and UCLA is David. <laughs> but I think even crazier, like just think about this for a second, John. This is only Gonzaga's second second. Uh, is it their second national championship or their second final four? Like they've never won a national title, which of course they're Gonzaga, but it's like we've been taught they've been in the mix for over a decade, wouldn't you say? It's hard to make it to the final four. It is. Yeah, it is. I just can't. Like Butler went back to back years. <laughs> they they had powerhouse t- they had powerhouse teams earlier in the decade that fell short. Like, like Adam even Morrison, fifteen years ago. Yeah. yeah, that that famous visual of him crying. Remember UCLA beat him, and that I think. Kevin Love, Russell Westbrook. I mean, looking back on that team, it was like, oh, yeah. Aaron Aflalo was a backup. Right, right. Right. Russell Westbrook, we had Kevin Love. Like, we had dudes. Amal Butte. Like, those teams with uh, the dude that now coaches at Mississippi State. What's ben his Allen. name? Uh, ben Allen. Yeah. I love them. I'm a sneaky UCLA fan at heart just because. Well, you think about Hofer it. Hofer family, family friends. Capono married a family friend. Ashley, Ashley Klein. Klein. <laughs> when I was in Philadelphia, I, we went out partying one night, me and some scouting buddies. Capono was having a birthday party. We run into Ashley Klein. Spencer Haas is there. Tim Legler's there. And we just hung out with them all t- the whole night. Uh, Ashley, I think Sneaky, loved my buddy. Good looking guy who's now works for the Chiefs. And we just were partying with the Sixers. But it was mainly Capono, who Capono was really tight with Bob Myers. You know, the UC. I'm just, a, I, I so grew Andy up a Reed was there? UCLA fan. What? Andy Reid was there? You said no, good looking guy works he, for the Chiefs? He, he, he was not, no. Oh. This was in like the earth. This was a deck, you know, in like 2010 or 11. Sixers I mean, were bad, but Capona was on their team. I think you could argue after USC football, and maybe you could even argue before USC football, you never put anything ahead of football. But in terms of like what just gives West Coast college fans, the, like what gives us on the West Coast the more like FU pride to the rest of the country, like, yeah, we got one too. It's SC football historically, but they've had not had the success that you Why don't we just start claiming Gonzaga too? Like Gonzaga's one of our people. Well, we can. Yeah. <laughs> but my cousin Nick, who played at UCLA in like the 2001, I think he graduated high school. When he got there, the one thing he always says, and he's right, 
is like the late 90s. UCLA was beating the shit out of USC. UCLA was a team turning out all the all the players. Well, UCLA, like USC, most of our life guy has not been like Alabama. They had a run with Pete, and then even this last decade, they've been eh. Their their high end is just so high. I don't. Do you notice this? Do you feel this way? I feel like UCLA alums. We don't. I just as a sports fan, you don't really. You know, when you talk about championships now in the last 25 years and championship contenders, you don't talk about UCLA that much. UCLA, UCLA alums, I think, are sneaky, a very angry, angry group. Um, <laughs> and when you think about it, like I was thinking about this with Roy Williams. They, if I said who are the, if I said name the five college basketball blue bloods, who would you name? I'd go Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, uh, I mean, you should say UCLA, but I don't know if I'd naturally say that. Yeah, I would, and I'd say Kansas. Like to me, those are the five oh, yeah, blue K- bloods Kansas, in college yeah. college basketball. Of those five, who's got the best football program? UCLA. Like well, North Carolina has actually had a moment. I they, think they've had there. a moment, but historically, yeah. I think UCLA's been better. I would put them up there. Then you got Kansas, Kentucky. Terrible, and, uh, terrible. Yeah, and, Duke, uh, not great. And Duke, yeah. I mean, yeah. So. Like when you think about from from that perspective, like I think UCLA, their high end has been so high historically. And I think what happens when you do hire your own, like when you promote from within, when your guys become pros, there is this history does kind of carry on. It doesn't get forgotten. Like that standard, even if it's old, still gets brought back all the time. Like Wooden all the time. Kareem. Walton, all the time, I'd say, all the time. I, I, I'd say Oregon has had a better balance probably. His, you know, yeah, last, like, right 30, now you'd years. say that's the, mo- that's the best one. But even a lot of our life, Oregon's been pretty good at basketball, right? Yeah, the Ridden Out, the Lukes. Yeah. In the 90s, I felt like they had some decent teams. I, I think, you know, Jim Barnett, you go back like 70s and 80s, like they've always had, they've just been a You think about well some balanced. of the Jim Barnett and uh, that's, a good, that's a good pull. Um, but I'm just saying, like, they got NBA guys. They were in the tournament always, right? And their football programs, like, they've always put a premium on athletics there at yeah, that program, yeah. at, at that athletic program. Yeah. Especially once Uncle Phil came along. But even before they had success. Yeah. They had a great Uncle line Phil, of quarterbacks before Uncle Phil. Well, when Uncle Phil, the reason he got into athletics, because he idolized the fucking, what's his name, the runner, Prefontaine. Pre- like they always just, they were a powerhouse in track, which obviously they still are, but... MyBookie.ag promo. I'm going to start clamming Gonzaga. We did kind of with Boise. I think the reason right? we don't, I was thinking about when you asked that, like why don't, I think on the West Coast, we like to claim sunny weather teams. Also, you just, have you ever met anyone? Like, oh yeah, I went to Gonzaga. Like part of it is like, I can, majority of schools, Oregon, even like Washington State, Fresno State, Nevada, Cal, UCLA, USC. I know someone, Arizona, Arizona State, from basically every program mid-major and major on the West Coast, never met a human being. that goes, oh yeah, I went to Gonzaga, right? I know someone that went to same. I know multiple people that go to St. Mary's or went to St. Mary's. Santa Clara, I could know. I know someone, Chico, every, every fucking school in California or basically the West Coast, definitely all the Pac-12 schools, can't, I've never met a human that went to Gonzaga. That's part of it. Yeah. but, but And that's the East. The Northeast has a million of those, right? People but you like, end up oh, meeting I, them all. Huh? When I lived in Philly, I met someone from every one from of those. Villanova, places. from St. Joe's, from... Yeah. 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 What are the other three? Uh, Penn. I guess I didn't meet anyone from there. <laughs> you probably uh, did. I mean, they probably worked in the cap. They worked for Howie, yeah, probably. In the, it was it was Penn, Temple. Temple. Nova, St. Joe's. It's the big like, five. Probably. There's a fifth one. Westchester? 
I don't know. So every every northeast town has a place called Westchester. All right, let's get on to business. You reached into your web of NFL connections, and we got something meaty here. How are people ranking the three quarterbacks that we're spending all our time talking about? It's funny that all the ranks are like actually quarterbacks three, four, and five yeah. as the way this draft is going. We think it's going to go. So, uh, you know, that's where when someone has one of these guys ahead of Zach Wilson, it becomes interesting. But, okay, you asked somebody, you, you set it up. Here we go. What you got? Well, it's a little bit like, who's the best player in the NBA? Not named LeBron, right? Like exactly. that's, all, that's kind of the way this has become. Yeah. And now you also throw Zach Wilson. And because it's become a very polarizing thing. And if, you're, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I, I'm fucking around a little bit. Uh, on the Mac, the Mac Jones, Jones thing, yeah. I, but though I do think it's funny to keep and your own sanity. I think it's to keep yourself prepared, keep, keep your shield up, guarding against the potential. Yeah. Sources also might tell you that you know we've reached out. We would love to have Mac on the podcast. So We're and I, pro and Mac I have Jones def- pod. I have defended him. Like I think he's a better player than the way Twitter talks about him. But I went to my number one guy. I, I, I cast a big web, talked to multiple people. And I got different lists. We should do a separate video where we rank your the, the sources by name. And then they, you know, like, John, you had me at three. You're like, well, give me better stuff. Here's my source. Don't call Schefter first next time. Here's my source that has multiple rings and who has been right on basically everything. Belichick. He's the best. He's as good of a scout as I know. It wouldn't be Belichick because he's not a great scout. This guy would nail Josh Allen. I mean, absolutely nailed him. Told me I was an idiot. And he was right. And he, without hesitation said Fields, Lance, Mac. That was his order. And that would probably, after really taking in some information yesterday, just some YouTubes, I was talking to a buddy that does the SEC, and as he called, because I had called him, I was watching a, what was I watching? Oh, a Jamar Chase tape. But it's YouTube tape now. I'm in the media, whatever we do, however you want to consider it. And my buddy, I couldn't press pause fast enough. He's like, I hear announcers. Is that the film you watch? I'm like, yeah, bro. I'm not fucking watching all 2200 March. I just want to watch the highlights. But he went Fields, Lance, and Mac. And I think when you come to the scouting community, the guys that truly know what they're talking about, I think that's where they're going to lean. Now, another guy who I trust pretty, pretty hardcore just had Lance and Fields flipped. I just think the scouting community is going to lean those two guys well above Mac. Every single person I talk to that has that mindset doesn't have Mac in those guys' category simply because part of a scout's job, and as as Mel Kuyper told us, and he went on that rant, was like the anticipatory scouting. It's like, you are not, we're not plugging and playing Justin Fields. Even though, hypothetically, if Justin Fields is drafted third, everyone's going to want Jimmy immediately traded as they should and just play Justin Fields from the jump. But it's it's going to be a learning process, which we're cool with. Like, this is not signing the Patriots' Matthew Judon and just... Matthew Judon is going to be asked to do exactly what he did in Baltimore because that's what builds... That's what you do with free agents. These guys are not free agents. These guys are 21 and 22-year-old raw products. Now, Mac Jones is the most pro-quote-ready guy, but he's still, like, in theory, would have to get better, right? You would... Hopefully, he improves... But I, I just, my guys were all having, the guy I trust the most feels Lance Mack. That's where I lean. And, and like, I, I've come, I, as of April 1st, I think they should draft Justin Fields. Like, that would be my, he has the highest upside. He has the mo- most to work with. He's more ready like, to play than Lance. But that, that, to me, doesn't bother me as much. I, th- I just start hearing some comparisons in, in the scouting community about Kaepernick 
you know, coming out of school, like a Nevada, kind of that type of athlete, which now Kaepernick would be viewed coming out really highly, right? That Nevada version, he would never last in the second round in today's climate. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, like, again, Mel also told us, just raw, needs a lot of work with Lance. That doesn't bother me either. Like, I'm cool with working with someone. I just think Fields' upside is equally, if not higher, than Trey Lance. But I, I, I wouldn't be mad about Trey Lance. I'm just saying, to me, I'd only be mad. Like, I, I just think you can't take the guy with the less ceiling. I, I, I can't believe in that. Yeah, I think what's interesting about Mac Jones, as it relates to this conversation, is that um, we talk about him like he's the safest guy of the group. But we wouldn't talk about Mac Jones as safe if Mac Jones were the only quarterback in this draft. If it's if I said, the way we talk about Mac is like, well, the good news with Mac Jones is you know at least you could you could compete right away. Well, if we weren't comparing him to anybody else, nobody would talk like that. Because well, nobody, the list of surefire quarterbacks coming out of college, you could probably put on one hand, Right. Let's say, let's say that let's say that let's say the two people in this draft were Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones. I don't think we'd be talking about the Jets trading Sam Darnold, would we? No, Mac. Well, Mac would Mac go in the top ten? Uh, well, I think Kyle's the traded. more guys you get, just the more urgency there becomes. Like I think yeah. the fact. Well, that we're I, but he, but here here's where and we talked about this the other day. It's not just the more guys. If there were three Macs, I think it'd be like eh. There are non-Trevor Lawrence who just takes the number one spot. There is Zach Wilson, who is a really toolsy, turns out he's bigger than we thought, big-time prospect. And then there are just two, quote-unquote, raw guys with just elite physical attributes in Fields and Lance. Like, that to me is like, you throw guys like that into the mix, plus arms, plus athletes, good character. It's like, those guys just go now. Like Josh Allen types. Even Justin Herbert types, right? Justin Herbert, quote unquote, looking back, kind of fell. He still went six. Yeah, which was where we thought he was going to go the year before. About he was at yeah. five to ten range. But like, even when the dust settles one day, and we talk about Justin Herbert's career, he did go six overall. It'd never be like he got screwed. Like it was, he still went really, really high. Could he have gone higher? Sure, but it's not to me. There's one thing like Rodgers went twenty four. To me, there's a big difference like 24 and 6, right? Yeah, I think with Herbert, it's less about the number and more about the fact that Tua went ahead of him. Yeah, it says that's going to be compared. Which but is like which, 5 and 6. When, you, when you get drafted close to guys, that's like this will the same thing will happen here. It's particularly with Zach. Like that would be my follow-up question for anybody in the league when we talk about their rankings is because we all think Zach Wilson's going to go second, we don't really include him in this. But I would imagine there's a fair number of people that have one of these three guys ahead of Zach Wilson. I don't know if it's the majority. I don't know. But the idea that you could have Justin Fields ahead of Zach Wilson. Would that, you feel that, great as as Joe Douglas put putting – when I say putting your career, he signed a six-year, $6 million deal. So, I mean, he made – that's – I know um, the many people on social media think you can only make generational wealth if you get $100 million. Uh, in the real world, $36 million, Joe Douglas is generational wealthy now. Like, that's a stupid amount of money. Uh, so even if one day he loses his job with the Jets, like he, he made it like he, he got it done, but his reputation as a scout and as a career, would you feel comfortable taking Zach Wilson from Utah to New York and the, the small sample size? Like it, uh, my point is like, there is, we're acting like it's not that risky. Like I, I think there's a lot more risk than it's just kind of being discussed, right? It almost like, Oh, it's just 
Lawrence and him, like bang, bang, boom. Like, yeah, well, I, I, Lawrence is in his own little world. Like, we're acting like Zach Wilson's world is closer to the him than these other guys. And I would, that would be my pushback in a draft room. Yeah, I, so I do think it's risky. I bet there but are some legit arguments going on in draft rooms over Zach Wilson compared to some of these other guys. Well, Zach Wilson passed Justin Fields. It feels like after Justin Fields played in the national championship game, but even kind of before, but then Justin had the big final four game. That was great. So I, then I he felt kind like of he was passing ahead. Him. Remember I like we talked passing him beating those random teams. Yeah, well, he was, but we talked to Lewis Riddick right around the time of that uh, Clemson game. And he was like, yeah, this is kind of, even though it's crazy, this is kind of the way it's moved, even in a time when nothing's happened. It happened after, you're right, it was happening during the season too. But I think part of the momentum continued after the regular season ended, before Justin Fields had even played Clemson. Yes. It was like in that window when the season ends and you're waiting for games to start. It kind of happened yeah. there. So I would feel nervous about it if I were the Jets. Not as much from a could he handle New York standpoint. You know, I think the every year that passes, the world gets smaller in the sense that you get you I think it used to be truly you'd walk into the big city and the bright lights would hit you and you'd never been on a stage like that. There's just more attention on everybody everywhere now, no matter my, where you are. My, my, my guy, though, had a good point and it never hit me. But he's like, you know, when you get drafted to a northeast team from the West Coast, there's a time zone difference that sometimes can limit your support system. Like your times are just off. The, the, like, and I'm talking support system. Just as a 23 year old, you feel overwhelmed in life. You just want to call someone and talk, and it's just, it's not. A, it, it, you can feel a little isolated out. It's a long way away. The people are way different. I mean, New York's a pressure cooker. I yeah. guess my my point is that I just think the world is one. It's easier to communicate, but it's still like different times. You know, we deal with calls sometimes. You have Eastern Pacific time. It just kind of throws you off. Um. I don't know. I just I, no, I think it's nothing, always easier to come out west than to go northeast. Uh, yeah, well, there's no question. I agree. We're more welcoming. Yeah, but what you just said is was where I go back on Mac Jones. It's like, like I, that's where I, Fields I has been in the pressure cooker. Yes, right, Georgia, Ohio State. Yeah, he has. But on Mac, that's where I say I. I think we talk about him like he's not risky. He's as risky. I mean, he's he's a quarterback getting drafted. Like the guys that aren't risky, you can count on one hand. So Peyton Luck. Lawrence, we talk about like he's not risky, right? Like it's just a no-brainer. It's what you do. But they're not a lot of those guys. And he's no. not one of them. So now here's the other thing. I think sometimes, give me your perspective on this. How much a guy has played cuts two ways. Sometimes you haven't played that much and we say, ah, we don't really know what to know about your tape. You haven't played that many games. Sometimes you haven't played a lot of games and we say, like in the case of Trey Lance, what has he played? I think in 17 games, 17 or yeah. 18 games, 17. Well, look, think of all the development opportunity there is. He hasn't played that much football and the football he did play. He was pretty prolific just in terms of touchdown interception. I think he threw one pick that year that they went to the FCS national championship game. Um, there's so much upside there. We've only scratched. No, I, the surface. I, I, th I thought it was, I thought it was no pick. Was it none? Yeah. There's so much upside. We, we, we've barely scratched the surface. Right. And, I think we kind of had that conversation at times about Trubisky because Trubisky had not played a lot of football. This year on a much lower level, we have the conversation as it relates to Davis Mills, but that's different because he he had some injuries. Yeah. This guy just hasn't played a lot of quarterback. Just There's not that much. and Not I, even his fault, right? Redshirted, and then he started, and then his season got canceled. It doesn't feel like that's working 
I mean, obviously, but if part you of the upside football, guy is athletic ability. Like it's it's athletic ability creates upside. Yeah, you can't like yeah. Mac Jones, but, but can't I think add that, like arm strength or add. Yeah, if Mac speed. Jones had only played sixteen games, we wouldn't be saying the same stuff about him. No, it has to do with athlete, it has to do with physical athletic ability. But I also think tools. if he'd played three full seasons of dominant football, he might be ahead of Justin Fields. Like that's what I'm saying when I say it cuts both ways. So it feels a little riskier in one hand because you haven't really seen him play that much football. You're talking about Mac Jones? I'm, no, I'm talking about Trey Lance. Like I see, I can see how you could sit there and go, guys, he's only played 16, 17 games. Think about the possibilities once he plays three seasons. And the other yeah. side, you'd go, yeah, he's only played 16 or 17 games. Yeah. Well, there when you when you do a projection, the reason projections are really risky is because a lot of times the projections don't come to fruition, right? It's like when people merge with companies, it's based on just the data. It's like, well, this company makes X numbers. We just bring this in. We get this revenue. Projecting is like, well, we think we can double the revenue or triple it. It's like, we think we can 5X this guy's talent. We think we can make this guy infinitely better at X. That's a huge, there's just an unknown. That's, you either fill that gap. And a lot of times, as we've seen, like Trubisky, that gap just never got filled because he was just an inaccurate player he was short circuit in the red zone. And this is back to what we talked about, I think, on Sunday night when we recorded. This is where the risk is just inherently high. There is an unknown that you will not know until you get the player and you just start playing. Yeah. You just won't know. Yeah. No matter how good you feel, no matter how much talent he has, no matter how great of a coach you are. Part of what makes Mahomes special, I've talked to multiple scouts in the league. They're like, you know, sometimes we just, you rewatch the Super Bowl. And you're like, I gained respect for Mahomes. It's like, that guy was fucking relentless. They're chasing him. Their defense is... Inc- I mean, we're even talking about Tampa Bay. I think we got a DM the other day. It's like, is this... Or maybe I brought it up. That is that is the Tampa team better than any of his New England teams? Just talent, guy for guy. Like, that was an elite talent, right? Especially their front seven come after him. And Mahomes just would not flinch. I mean, it was legendary stuff. If I was a Chiefs fan, I'd be like, that's my guy, you know? He was just overwhelmed, and it was like even the the NFL films was Chris Godwin on the sideline, like God, this guy's a magician. Yeah, how does he keep doing this? Yeah, and it's just that's the type of stuff that even Andy and Veach would be like, we were smitten for this guy. He's quite he's fifty times the man and player and and personality and toughness than we ever could have envisioned, but we didn't know that until we got him, and we already loved him. Well, that's the thing. Like I, I don't know. Like you, you think you know, and you do all the scouting, but. You, whoever they take, but definitely the two fields, Lance, we won't truly know until you get them. Like all the intangible stuff. Guy, I'm looking at Peyton Manning's rookie line. If if a guy, the number one pick in the draft had this rookie line, I think we would think like he's going to be a disaster. Led the league he in picks, right? 28 picks. Led the league. I threw 26 touchdowns. But if I told you that Trevor Lawrence goes to the Jags, they go three and, he went three and 13. They go three and 14 and he goes 26 and 28. Wouldn't people be like, oh, Urban's a disaster. Trevor Lawrence is overhyped. Maybe that existed back then. I mean, we were 13, but it doesn't feel quite as strong as it would be now. No, it doesn't. But a part of that, I think, is how it looks, right? You're trying to put a team on your back. It's different than... Uh, 56 completion percentage. Like it, it was probably pretty ugly. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was. I'm just saying, like, did he have... Who were his Who were his receivers? Well, I think Marvin was drafted the year before, but he was really young. But then, but like two years later, he's 33-15 MVP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this he quieted is, everyone this is, fast. This is why, 
like I know there's been as always there's some criticism and then there's going to be criticism of the criticism why I have people were giving Dan Orlovsky a hard time because he said on McAfee show that he heard that Justin Fields is kind of a first was it a last in first out quarterback mentality then he went on yeah. to say he thinks people would be crazy not that he like he said he thought Justin like he I think the way he said it, he'd be crazy from the fall past four like he likes him as a prospect and some people will come out and they're like how oh, could you say that that you don't know anything this is hearsay whatever which uh, that criticism that criticism is fine too if you know Justin Fields and you believe differently fine but what you can't deny and I've learned this over the years just from you telling me how these conversations go the team that drafts him might love him, and they are one. They don't know that. They don't. They're not sure yet. The Chiefs. Your guy Brett Veach was on uh, Peter King's podcast after the Super Bowl, or he told a story the other day about after the Super Bowl, the win against the Niners, and he walks back into the training room on Monday or Tuesday, and there's Patrick Mahomes. It was like his version of the the Niners win the Super Bowl. And Steve Young shows up at the facility to pick up and clean no, out you, his equipment. You, you know what? It, you know what the and story Jerry Rice was? is running the hill. It was the AFC Championship game when they beat the Bills, and the game was late. And then he shows up six in the morning to get ready for. Super oh, it was Bowl this week. year. It was this year, and Mahomes is in there. It's, it's he showed up at six a.m. and Mahomes is already in the training table watching the game back. Like that's the thing. But that, that's my point. All and luckily, I know these guys and hear these stories. I, I think it's underrated, like how special he is. Like, they're like, Patrick, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm just getting a lift. They're but like, don't it's you, fucking February. But don't you think it's like, whether Orlovsky's right or wrong, whether the guy who told him, the person who told him that is right or wrong, that is the question that everybody's asking. Kyle Shanahan yeah. is going to ask Ohio State, and then when they tell him, no, 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 it's not true, he won't believe them. He Not until he sees with his own eyes how hard a worker whoever he well, drafts. Well, if, if I was the Carolina Panthers, and I now wanted to get Justin Fields, and I thought I was going to have a good chance to get him, maybe I thought I had a trade with the Falcons like a month ago, and then the Niners have done this, and then I've heard Zach Wilson's, and I'm like, I'm going to be screwed if they take him, I would start leaking this stuff. Oh, there's like, also that, yeah. Th- that would behoove you to to put this out there. But again, like I, I always say this, using the media on this stuff, I think is a little, maybe it used to have some meaning. Like now teams know, like I, if Kyle Shane, now maybe it makes you double think and we really got to look into this, but I, I think the stuff gets overrated and it makes the fans freak out, but the teams have the information. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the person that told Dan Orlovsky meant it and maybe, maybe he believes it. Yeah. Maybe they're right. Maybe he'll have to evolve as a worker. I don't know. It's part of the coach's job. As Mel and John used to like to say, coach him up. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at Butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis easily find high quality meat and seafood you can trust 100 percent grass-fed beef free-range organic chicken pork raised crate free and wild-caught seafood always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping butcherbox is offering you Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. Yeah, prize picks is where it's at. 
Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million users. I've been using it and telling you about it for months. It's the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. We're not going to talk about my Otani less season long pick quite yet on his home run total. You just pick more or less of two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. For example, this week on prize picks, you can go Anthony Edwards, more than 29 points and Nikola Jokic, more than 10 rebounds. Playoff time's the time to join because star players mean more on prize picks. Keep an eye out for the starred players on the board and you could receive a 10% payout boost if they're in your winning lineup. So right now, download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, code HAM50, first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app, Called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M. Save $20. The A's... Only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out. Or concerts. Game time app. Promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Let's hear what Steve Young had to say on CanBR about whether or not Kyle Shanahan prefers stiff quarterbacks. Don't kid yourself. Because he had Matt Ryan and now Jimmy, that's not the most mobile guys in the world, they're fine. Kyle wants the processor. But if you give me also someone who can move, Kyle would love that. Do not think that he's somehow moving away from someone who can move around and dynamic. That's the farthest from his thinking. As long as they can do the work in the pocket, give me someone to move around too, I'm just more dangerous. Kyle, and I know his dad feels that way from my experience together. Mike loved that I could move around and used every inch of that. So the idea that Kyle has a, uh, has a style, that's just ridiculous. In the end, it's fundamentally, can he, can he do the job in the pocket? Yes. And plus, he'll move around all day long. I'll take that. That's what I, that's what I would love. Nothing more. There was Steve Young on, on radio on KNBR. What would you think of that? Well, I think we have to be careful by pigeonholing not just Kyle, but the family, because I think we talked about this the other day, but just reading about and thinking about Mike Shanahan's career, Mike Shanahan really became famous by, I don't know, coaching Steve Young as an assistant. Like that was his jump off point. Like that was his Kyle Shanahan, Matt Ryan, coaching Steve Young, winning the MVP in the Super Bowl. Then what happened? He parlayed that into coaching John Elway. Now, Elway was older, and you could even argue Steve was, by 94, wasn't some spring chicken, uh, but he was the MVP of the league. And Steve, to me, is still known as the athletic running version of Drew Brees. And Elway is known, I don't know, as the greatest prospect in NFL history, not because he, he was an elite athlete and he had an elite arm, 
And then think about, we, we talked about this the other day when he traded up. And this is like Kyle talked about in his process of not going to pro days because he didn't want to tip people off. And it goes back to his dad trading up for Jay Cutler. Because Jay Cutler, I don't know, pretty good athlete, big time arm. I would say Jay Cutler doesn't have much in common with Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub, Kirk Cousins, right? Of a guy that can move and sling it. Mm-hmm. He really was like probably the difficult, difficult Mahomes because his physical talent. And I have buddies that were there with him in the with the Bears before Nagy got there that said like his talent, even till he was older, was elite. Just his arm talent. Like, that's not, we don't view Kyle's guys, and this is why we talk about Mac Jones, like, oh, he doesn't need much arm talent. No, Shanahan wanted Jay Cutler, right? So I I think we have to be careful about also just diminishing Mike Shanahan's role in this whole thing. Like, do you would you imagine that as they've done that project for a couple months leading up to figuring out that, like, we're going to get left at the altar, we got to trade up, it's worth paying a premium early just to, just to get in the mix, I know how these projects work. Obviously, Kyle watched every guy, McDaniel's watched every guy, Lynch, Adam Peters, maybe Welker, maybe other you know powerful offensive guys on the staff. You don't think Mike Shanahan was part of that process? I'm not saying he was in the meetings, but he we know they the Niners put in a film thing for him. Like he watches all the shit. You don't think Kyle had him do exactly what everyone else is doing? Why well, wouldn't he? Th- this was one of the very cool stories that came out pre Super Bowl two years ago. Um. This is what Kyle Shanahan said about it. My mom doesn't like it because he's still working from their house and she doesn't get why he won't come out of the film room. My dad actually does know what he's talking about. It blew his mind that we could get him filmed up. He thought he was going to have to fly out or get some beta tapes or whatever. But Mike Bracken, our video guy, is on top of everything. Usually about a half hour after we're done, my dad has an iPad and he can watch it too. Talking about he watches their practices. It's kind of neat for me to have it where he watches something or sees something. He tells me, hey, you guys should have done this or should have done that. I look into what he says. It's nice to have another set of eyes where, hey, I missed that. I'll go back and check that. Sometimes I agree with him. Sometimes I don't. So, yes, I think Mike Shanahan has watched all the college quarterbacks. There was a picture and I, I, I put it on Instagram just to put a little swipe up for our podcast the other day. And it was the picture of Saban kind of open stance, Mac walking to the group, and it was Sean Payton, Belichick, Lynch, and Kyle. And someone replied on one of my DMs, was like, what a brain trust of guys. And I think what's crazy, and we talk about this with Kyle all the time, like Belichick, six rings, Payton's one, one. Kyle has talked about like a that level brain trust. I would I would venture to guess, if me, you, and Kyle were in Cabo having some beers with Juszczyk and Kittle, he might say, you know, my dad is a better offensive mind than myself. I think my dad's the best coach I've ever been around. And it's not close, right? Because I, I learned my it dad, from him. I learned everything I know from my dad, and I still talk to him about it. I don't think, I think he's an underappreciated guy. You know that Belichick always loved Mike. Like, they did deals a lot. Belichick thought he was elite. And I just wonder if, like, if you told me the number one influence and Kyle's ear on this decision it ain't John Lynch it's not Mike McDaniels it's not Adam Peters it was Mike Shanahan I'm not saying this is the case but I do think it's very very possible and who's Steve I'm sure really close with I don't know he's known him for 30 plus years Mike I think Steve thinks probably very very highly of just the family but he knew Mike before he you know back when Kyle was a tiny little kid yeah 
Well, if we go to what Steve said, Steve is saying Kyle doesn't prefer less athletic quarterbacks. He's saying because that is the narrative. Yeah. He's just saying Kyle prioritizes being able to throw passes from the pocket and processing what you see. But the idea that he would take the less athletic quarterback or, right, I, I think maybe even if, if we could flesh it out with Steve, what he would say is, yeah, the idea that he would take always the guy who's the best from the pocket, if that guy's less athletic, than a guy who might not be quite as good yet, but maybe could be and adds the element of his physical skills, maybe Kyle would go that way. Because I think even if, if you the people that say Kyle prefers a stiff guy, or that the way we talk about Cousins and Schaub and Matt Ryan, even if you said Kyle doesn't prefer a stiff guy, even if everyone agreed like, yeah, that's crazy. No one actually thinks he, that's the case. You would say this, right? That, it, that historically what we think is that he will lean with that guy. He will value that skill so much that he will take that guy over a guy that we think maybe is without question, not maybe, is without question more athletic but you'd have to develop his pocket passing. I think that's really what we're talking about is will yes. he take a guy that will take more development in the pocket over a guy that has it, but whose athletic ceiling has been, has been met. Well, let's go back to the Niners heyday. I think Bill Walsh deserves a ton of credit for being a visionary with Steve Young. Honestly, it's probably in a weird way. One of the most underappreciated moves in the history of the league, Right. He was a guy in the peak of their powers with Joe Montana in the mid eighties and his squad that's loaded. He had this vision to like have a backup plan. And it took the thing that's an, an underrated part is when you look at Steve's like game log, you realize how long he had to sit behind Joe. Like it was a, now part of it was like Joe battled through an injury and had played well when Steve got there. But like that move that was not drafting Rodgers, right, when Favre was old. Like, he had to go trade for a guy who was in shambles, who he could see the vision, and then they molded. So it's like, and obviously Mike Shanahan got there a little later when he was already, quote-unquote, molded a little bit, but I, I, I do think there's a visionary with the people that come from that line of thinking and just go through the line, right? Kyle is a descendant of Mike who became Mike Shanahan based on the Niners, who's a descendant of Holmgren, who taught Andy Reid and Gruden and Mariucci. Like, there is a way those guys think. It's like, oh, who's going to like the Mahomes? Well, the Walsh guys, they like can see the bigger picture. Or the Favre guys, or just, they have, like, my guys with the Chiefs think about this stuff, Fields, Lance, and Mac, much differently than I, I had this other guy that had Mac way above Fields. The, 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 I'll promise you. The Chiefs. I know it wasn't Howie Roseman. Do you, do you think if you had to guess Brett Veach's board? I honestly don't know. I haven't asked him. There isn't a chance on God's green earth that Mac would hold the fucking candle to Fields or Lance on a ranking. Zero chance. Absolutely none. And I'm not. And Veach might like Mac fine, but he wouldn't sniff those two guys because Veach has been taught by Andy, who Andy, not in a million years, would take Fields or Mac over Fields or Lance. That's not how they think. Sean Payton. We have enough evidence now the way he's talked kind of openly about the guys he liked and hasn't got a no chance Mac Jones is above Fields or Lance, right? We know that. Like, they like Josh Allen, Josh, John Snyder. What's John Snyder looking for? I would bet huge money that John Snyder has a major man crush on Fields or Lance. Probably, it kind of feels like he'd like Trey Lance. I bet he'd like Trey Lance. 
You know better than me. I don't know him. I just listen to him talk. No, I, I, feel I don't like even Veach, know John Schneider. No, no, I'm just I was saying like Veach. My gut was was Lance also. Yeah. It ain't Mac. So it's like all the sweet people that evaluated and nailed Hall of Fame quarterbacks and just the guys they're on every year, that's what they think. And that's where I think Kyle, when the dust settles and the pick's made on that Thursday night, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised. Uh, I do too. It's kind of what I feel Steve's hinting at a little bit. Like, guys, just yeah. relax. Could be that. I, 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 that's where I go. I agree with you. But that's where I keep going back to. Talking about Mac Jones like he's safe is insane because 99.9% of draft picks are not safe and he's not in the, the 0.01%. The idea that like you're playing it safe if you draft him is like, no, you're not guaranteed of anything if you draft him. Not a well, thing. I thought, jo- I thought Josh Rosen out of the group was like felt like the most pro safe guy. But right? that was another one where it was like there was this whole other element, even, you know, yeah, character of, stuff. Yeah. But. And and that's where I also say, if you told me in five years, Mac Jones has thrown more touchdowns than the other two, I'd go, okay, less athletic quarterbacks have thrown more touchdowns than more athletic quarterbacks. That's possible. It's not impossible to me that someone, like you talked to someone, would think Mac Jones is going to be a better pro. But there's this, part of this is, who do you think is going to be the better pro? And part of it is, you're Kyle Shanahan. You can Tom Brady clearly coach offense. Yeah, but he's an outlier. <laughs> no, no. But, and, but again, that, that's right. It's not insane to me that Mac Jones ends up as the best quarterback. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But that's not crazy because the other guys still have to reach their potential. But we're not five years from now. We're now. And Kyle Shanahan, we think, is a good football coach. So part of this is I think one I think just pick a name. Justin Fields has a better chance to succeed if he plays for Kyle Shanahan than if he plays for and if he plays for Sean Payton. Right. Or if he plays for Andy Reid, not available. I think he's got a better chance with those guys than most Wait, other people. If you were my college director and I was your GM, and let's say you know you're kind of just saying this Mac Jones thing, I'd go. Would you bet your paycheck that Mac Jones has Derek Carr's career? What would your response be? No, I would not bet that. No. Yeah. That's, I would not. That to me is just th- these would be the comments where he would immediately just go to the last bottom of the line. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I think part because I think like, if his think his ugliness could be the ugliest. I also think if you had to if you had to pick a guy, like you have to pick a guy. You go, okay, I'll take Fields, then I'll take Lance, then I'll take Mac. But Trey Lance might be worse. Like Trey Lance's floor might be lower than Mac Jones's floor, right? But part of this is when I bet my paycheck, what's my up? What are my odds here? What's my up? What's my potential upside? And it feels like, well, Justin, the upside on Justin Fields, if your bet hits. Is you're going to make more money back on that bet than on Mac Jones? I, I think there are a lot of people that think of that Veach, Andy, Sean Payton, the, the, the John Schneider. It wouldn't shock me if pr- probably Fields that people have Fields above Zach Wilson. And I'm talking teams that have no shot at any of them, but just feel very confident. Like I think Fields is a better Zach Wilson guy, and they'll say it in a couple years. And if it's true, they'll be like, "We were no one may may necessarily believe him, but it's true." If it's true, we'll all go. Of course, it happened that way. But I don't think it's that crazy. Five star guy, Ohio State, like physical tools, freaky. Yeah. Of course, it's not crazy. That's because when BYU was playing their big time schedule, Zach wasn't as good. That's why I go back to what I said earlier. Is like. The idea that we just rank those three and not these four is pretty well, that's, wild. Well, someone told me, they're like, you know, I like Zach Wilson, but he's playing with shitty players against other shitty players. And he looks awesome, 
But like the previous season when he played better teams and all the Pac-12 teams and just better schedule, it didn't quite look like that. And it looked really good this year in a weird time. Like to just act like it's 100% going to translate, like the narrative out there feels a little bold. It does feel a little bold. Yeah. But I get I get taking him too. Like I do get it. I understand. I do too. It. I I think the risk there is not consistently talked about high enough, though. Plus, he read Steve Young's book. I think there's a chance that if 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 the Niners end up taking Justin Fields, if you told me that Kyle liked Justin Fields more than Zach Wilson, I think it's believable. Uh, yeah. yeah. Some of the character stuff turned him off. Like, you know, some of his just it just turned him off. If you said here, here's one. What would you guess? Thirty two. 32 big boards. Just, I know not, you don't necessarily all have this, you know, your GM might have one and your scouting director might have a different rank, but at the end of the day, 32 big boards. How many do you think have Justin Fields ahead of Zach Wilson on it? My, my guess would be if you told me it was 15 of them, I'd believe that. Uh, that you feels a little high. high Cause I, I do think some teams won't like a lot of teams are short sighted. They, they won't like the inaccuracy. It could be probably eight to 10. People value the production, like the raw numbers, a lot of times. Eight feels. There aren't guy. Yeah, okay. There are only. Okay. You have but to understand, fine. John. A third. There are only so many visionaries. That means a third. Only so many visionaries. If it's ten, that means a third of the league would pick somebody different at two. I also think you can fake your board a little bit when you're not going to take I'm, players. I'm just saying, like, what the true no, belief yeah. would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go back and make some edits in the computer. No, I hear you. Which, which you know, sources have told me over years it's happened of that happening. Go change a report. Yes. I heard of a good one. I can't quite say yes, but I have it in my hopper for when the guy gets fired. It's a good, it's a good story. Okay. The cost of Jimmy Garoppolo, the opportunity cost of Jimmy Garoppolo, as much as you and I love and are loving the next month ahead as the Niners try to pick a quarterback at number three, it's really the sexiest thing you can do uh, around draft season. The best thing you can do, the sexiest thing ultimately you can do in the NFL is win. And uh, right now, the 49ers are trying to plug a hole at the hardest position to plug a hole at, which is quarterback. And you start thinking about the year they had. They got the 12th pick. All the quarterbacks that get drafted high in this draft. 12 is a really good pick to have. The Eagles at 12 right now have a really good pick. And it's an example of what the Niners are missing out on by needing to go back and kind of fix this position that they thought maybe they had had settled. I thought they did. And now that it's not, maybe they get the quarterback of the future here and it's all good. But if Jimmy had been your guy, somebody's going to go 12 that maybe could have been theirs. Think about this guy. Last year, the Niners had the 13th overall pick and they traded back one spot to take Kinlaw. And at 13, Wurfs, who was... I mean, just an all-time home run pick so far for Jason Light, like a Pro Bowl elite dude, and he was the last tackle off the board. It went Worfs and Kinlaw. Well, part of the reason that those two guys were available, right, three quarterbacks went, Burrow, Tua, and Herbert. So it pushes top guys down. Now, we'll see on Kinlaw, but when you're 6'6", 310 pounds, and you are coming from the SEC, like... That guy's just going in the top 10 most years, but he didn't because he got pushed down. Same with Wurfs. Like last year is a good example. This year is five quarterbacks. Add two other Herberts and Tua's. It would have been like Herbert, Tua, and then another Herbert and Tua. Think of those players. So it's like, okay, do you want Ruggs? Do you want one of the other tackles or Kinlaw or Wurfs? 
That's just, that's what's happening. Now, this year's a little different. There's only two, I think, sweet tackles. But the difference is there are a couple sweet corners. There are some really good wide receivers. There's Kyle Pitts, who, you see some of his numbers yesterday. He ran like a four, four flat at 260 or 245 pounds. Freak. Uh, like, you would just have an unreal option, right? Well, and I think when we talk about specifically what the Niners need, now I know you don't love the idea of drafting a corner high in a draft. But unless you unless you think he's just like a drop dead can't miss Patrick Peterson type, yeah. Well, but it's just th- th- exactly what you described that there might be the, even the opportunity for that this year. Picking at twelve, you'd get a great player. You might get a great player at fourteen this year, right? You you might even have a trade back opportunity and still get a good player. Given it does all the feel like the ba- the Bama defenders recently, Minkas, the linebackers, the D, like they've been pretty not many misses. <laughs> Like you just like told Sertain me the Niners or, took Patrick Sertain yeah. at 12. I'd be like, yeah, I bet he's a pretty good player. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You ever heard of his dad? Was a pretty good player. Yeah. This guy, pretty good player. Started from Nick day one. I'd be like, I'll take my chance with a five-star kid. Yep. When all else fails, I'll just go with the SEC. It's like, it's my issue, like my non-issue with Kinlaw. It's like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, you see that human being? <laughs> yeah. So, and we, you know we what? We talked it's also about the that opportunity before. Co- it's, it's the same thing we talked about with McGlinchey. But it's just on a much. It's more. It's it's much more in the moment right now. Um, but if in a year they're looking for another right tackle, it's going to be the same conversation, just not as on big a scale as, as it is with Garoppolo, right? You you'd like yeah, if you're going to be bad to not have to double down on how bad you were to actual to really get what you want. Like if you're going to be bad, just hopefully that pick's good enough to you don't have to put more money in. Like the Niners had to put more money in to move up because. Part of the reason they were bad was the quarterback situation. But at 12, they weren't bad enough. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be bad, you'd love to be so bad that, all right, we're just third. Yeah. And we don't have to add money in order to buy what we need to fix ourselves. It was ultimately the good thing about sucking that year with Nick Bosa is they lend, they ended up at two. Because the Raiders, who were equally as shitty, ended up at four. And that was a... That was just a major, like, that was a problem. Like, there was a big difference between Nick Bosa and Cleveland Farrell. Right now, now ultimately, they picked the wrong guy. If they would have picked Devin White, they would have been happy as shit. So, it's a double whammy. You always, I think, when we look back at the draft, and there's a chance at 12, you go, God, you know, let's just say hypothetical. Let's say Mac Jones ends up actually going, like, 15th. And you go, God, and he turns out to be the best quarterback of the bunch. You're like, you could have just said, well, you can always play that game after the fact. But I just know for when you don't need the quarterback, you always have the options when you're drafting in the top 15 to draft sweet players, right? Because too often, like, J.J. Watt is better than the guy that went fifth, right? Yeah, I mean, look, we Even, talked about Colton Miller the other day. Yeah, who went 15th. You just go back and peek at that draft, right? I mean, he's just like Roquan Smith, Colton Miller, like that, that was eight and then 15, and Josh Rosen went 10, and it's just like, you know... I love reacting to the draft, and it's awesome. And the the letter grades that have been going on forever, like Mel Kuyper gave this team a B. Has, well, it's really based on what Mel thought about the players that they drafted, right? It's not based on like how good it's going to be, right? Right. Because there's that famous thing that the Eagles fans always love to show that the year Doug Peterson was hired, there were like seven hires, and he was ESPN. He was an F, and like I, I forget who the A was. It might have been. Uh, What's his McAdoo, you know, with the with the Giants. And it was just I remember it was he was by far the last guy. And it just showed that the, the heat of the moment, same with coaching hiring, same with the draft. 
oh, yeah, or no, no. I remember Alden Smith is a great example. Like, all who? What'd they do? And then two years later, it's like, oh, my God, this guy's sweet. Well, it's part of the reason you give the Niners, I mean, the Raiders so much credit. It's not just that they drafted Colton Miller and developed him. It's that they moved back and did it. And the guys drafted between McGlinchey and Colton Miller were Rosen, Fitzpatrick, Vita Vea, Deron Payne, Marcus Davenport. I draft's pretty good. I'm realizing as I'm looking at it that I might have spelled Colton Miller's name wrong on a video we did. God damn it, I did. Anyone correct me? How, how'd, how'd two, you spell there's it? two O's in his name. Colton? That's what it says here. How, like on the how draft. Would you spell it? Yes, K O L T O N, not K O L T E N. I'm sure I'm getting yelled at in the YouTube comments on that one. That's a really good draft. Roquan Smith, Vita Vea, Colton Miller, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, even Baker Mayfield. I mean, it's not terrible. 18. Uh, this is part of the fun of it. Yeah. I mean, who, who DJ went to? Moore. What's that? Who went to in that Saquon. draft? Saquon. Did you see the comments that John Morrow said? Like, uh, yeah, we're not really thinking on a contract extension right now. That's the one thing. This gets back to my Jed Mark Davis takes. The owners out here don't talk like that. Out there, it's like, yeah, we're not really feeling a contract. Like, they will just say things that, like, Formula One level. Like, prove yourself, like, damn, man. the owner just said, like, yeah, we're just, we got fucking time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I obviously, uh, when the Niners signed Jimmy Garoppolo, I thought it was the right thing to do. Because here we are. They're in position where they can get out of it if they, if they need to. And we think they need to, unfortunately. And they're in that position because he was he was hurt. And he's been not good. Yeah, they they think they need to. They traded three first round picks. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like I, I wouldn't. It's easy to say now you shouldn't have done that. But I understood it. I supported it at the time, so I can't change how I felt about it then. Um, and but they did it. And now it's easy to say they should have gotten Tom Brady. They did, and he won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Have so, you seen some of Robert Kraft's uh, comments? He ain't happy either. That's another good one. But here they are, still trying to fix this thing that we thought they had fixed. And maybe they fix it. Maybe they fix it right now. Well, they better, like I said. But it just they it don't. costs the rest of the roster because they're in this position. Not just because they're not drafting a not, not just because they're not drafting a corner, but also because they had to give up other picks to do this. So, yeah, Garoppolo, what did you trade for Garoppolo? A second? Oh, yeah. it cost you anything. Yeah, it's costing you a lot right now. Yeah. It's costing you two other ones. Jimmy Garoppolo ultimately just cost you two other ones. Like, you didn't, you traded and a third, a second and two ones and a third right now for Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Look yeah. at it that way. You did during that period of time make a Super Bowl. It's true. It's, yeah, it's, it's the only I'm bright. Saying, it's the only bright. Why, I'm not trying to say undo the whole thing or never have done it. I'm just saying. Now the butterfly effect of all of it has caused you two other ones. Agreed. Would you do it all over again? I think you would, because to your point, you did go and you did go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Now that that is, I've, we talk about draft butterfly effects. I don't know if I've quite gone to that level of butterfly effect before, but it's a big one. Yeah. What's the line on? Um, do, you, do you have a line yet on Raiders Bears game seventeen? In Vegas? <laughs> no, no. Guess the line, really. Niners, Bengals. Are, do you think... 
I guess, I mean, I'm sure we'll do something big when the schedule comes out. You know, the schedule will probably be, what, mid, mid-May, mid right after the draft when it gets it feels a little dire. You know, they should put it up against out. Major League Baseball All-Star game. Yeah, I'd, I'd take my chances against the schedule Good release. Line. It's not like all the Week 17 games are going to be together, right? They'll be spread out throughout the year. Yeah. Like, the Niners will play Cincinnati maybe Week 4, and, like, Seattle's playing Pittsburgh Week 10. No, because right? you, not- you wouldn't want to do that. Because you want to have conference games week 17 sometimes, right? Something that might matter. Yeah, so it's not like week 17 doesn't just mean they're all going to be week 17. They'll just be spread out throughout the 17-week season. <laughs> and that's that's 100% what they're going to do. For a minute, I just like, they're going to be week 17. But no, that's not what they freaking do. They're just saying what the 17th game will be. Yeah, since we know the other 16. Yeah, which is... Uh, I, I just... I I think football right now... And we were, we were bullshitting about this. I, I put this on uh, my Instagram poll yesterday because baseball, I mean, it's a pretty big deal. I, I think there's going to be an argument. We'll see the ratings this year has a chance to be the second biggest sport in you know America. The NBA and them are competing for that piece of real estate. And it's up for debate right now as much as we think just because us they like go on Twitter. The NBA is much bigger there. But in terms of actually watching the games, like the Yankees, I would imagine there's like 5 million people watching this game right now. It's probably fucking massive. Uh, but my but my point is, like, I don't think anyone knew. Like, most people, I'd say under 40, even if they are, like, pretty casual, like, sports fans, I don't think we're super locked in that opening day was today. I'm not saying that they didn't realize baseball was coming, but it just, because all of a sudden it's like, oh, Yankees, Blue Jays. I knew uh, probably yesterday that it was, or maybe a couple days ago, that it was today. Slash Friday. Now, I don't think... Does every team in the league play today? Uh, I, there's a lot of games. I don't know if everybody does. There are a lot of games today. So it might be close. It, Usually it's not one, everybody, but... One ultimate baseball take I had. I And I get why you have to do it for, you know, the schedule to get all these games, which I, I do think is a little unnecessary. I think a perfect season would be like 120. I hate cold baseball. Like, it is cool to see Miguel Cabrera hit the home run, but baseball is a sunny weather sport. Yeah. To me, it's like made a... Made August would be perfect. But that's what I would say. It's like, yeah, most of us aren't watching the Tiger game. Yankees, Blue Jays look sunny. You know? But it's cold. I mean, they're wearing long sleeves. I know, I I'm just like, saying the sun's out. Like, degrees. it's spring. Like, it's it's crisp. Like, to me, 48 degrees in April feels different than 48 degrees in October. Because it's that's the cold. It's about to get worse, everybody. I, I just think the consumer, to get the consumer modern day moving forward, and who knows, maybe the NFL could, do, you know, keep you get to a point where you have too many games maybe they tap out but it's always going to be one day a week it's so much easier to consume it's like that someone tweeted this the other night it got on my timeline and it was just like some dire nba account that was like you know i think it's the worst nba season i've ever seen and i, I saw I that like, tweet you know, too. I've, been, I've been watching the nba for you know 35 pretty consistently probably for since i was 10 so 25 years i'm actually 36 so 26 years is it's just terrible. Like I just, I just the product is just bad. Like I, I and I try to watch some games. I'll just turn it off. And a big part of it is like none of it means anything. And there's a little. I, I'm a big baseball fan, but like none of this means anything. And that's and I think I noticed that with the NCAA tournament. Like I'm just locked in because it's like this means something, you know. And I I think the the less you mean something now, it's harder to get our generation and younger. We just don't give a fuck, you know. And I I, I there's that's. Football just got lucky that their sport is just set up that way. But I, I think it's really hard to compete and just have a lot, a lot of people watch 
when it just doesn't feel like it means that much. Like part the Yankees games mean something because they're like trying to win a championship and their team's super loaded. But well, it's just, baseball is never about urgency. Basketball historically has been because to a degree because you don't play each other as much as you play each other in baseball. Yeah. So you only get twice a year Lakers Warriors. But it's gotten to the point where I. I think the regular season just has been devalued over the years. And I'll say it again, the lack of consistency from a roster standpoint makes it hard because baseball's never been overly dependent on like, you knowing everybody and all the other teams because your team plays every night. So you don't need to watch it, but your team plays every night. Well, and a huge Football. part of their revenue, as we found last year, is getting people to games, getting people. To right? games. They just want it's getting people. To, it's an event. Fo- it's like a concert. Football's the other end of the spectrum. The games only get played one day out of the week. I mean, I know that's not true, but like all the games happen on one day. So you can just, you're just watching everything. And then there's a few major games. There's not four games on Monday. There's one. There's not four games on Thursday. There's one. It's easy to follow from that standpoint. Basketball is like in the middle. There's like a ton of games, but you don't see everybody as much. And there are national games, but there's also the local games and the stars really, really matter more than they do in baseball. And they're on different. It's just, it's, I think it's been, uh, again, I follow it and I like it. I don't think it's been easy to follow casually basketball because of player movement. Um, And yeah, I mean, there's like, I think football really benefits from the fact that the quarterbacks don't really move and they're the biggest stars. They mostly stay put. Well, since you've been married, do you think you watch way less sports the last five, six years than you did the previous five, six years? Eh... I don't think so. Or is that out of your own doing? You're just not as interested, would you say, if you don't want to watch a game? Yeah, if I don't want to watch, if I want to watch a game, I'll watch. I got TV2. That's what TV2 is for. It's like TV2 is for two sporting events. TV2 might also be, you know, TV1's on HBO. So TV2. But wouldn't you say sometimes now, like the TV2, you're like, I don't even want to watch anything. Uh, TV2 sometimes is off. Yeah. I've, I've, as someone that had multiple televisions in my living room, I find myself doing that a lot now. Yeah. It's like I don't even care about like Celtics match. Oh, there's a game on NBA TV. Try to watch. Yeah, I try to watch. It's like oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Just not entertaining to me as much anymore. And and I think part of that, it's kind of cool to see at Yankee Stadium. Like basketball is hurt. Like no fans. It kind of sucks. Like it's it's yeah. been a huge problem for them. Yeah, yeah. It's been a problem for everybody. Like it's just the sporting events, and we've talked about this before are just way better. And that's why Roger Goodell, like, we're going to have full fans. And you're like, better fucking believe they will. I'm not saying Clara might fight it till the bitter end, but the rest of the stadiums will. Here's a recommendation for everybody. Go on YouTube, 10 minutes. Duke, Stanford, 2000, Oakland Coliseum, Pete Newell Classic. And I think it's still the largest college basketball game by attendance in California state history. Jay Williams, you know, I've mentioned this plenty of times on the podcast, or at least to you. Jay Williams, Boozer, uh, Mike Dunleavy, the Collins twins, Casey Jacobson, Tiger Woods sitting courtside. Incredible game. Duke was number one in the nation at the time. And the crowd, I just, I, I brought it up because I watched it this morning. Again, the crowd is just, it's one of those angles where the camera, you see just arms and heads the whole time. Like you can't even see the whole court from the camera view because people are yep, standing up. And I mean, it just takes it to a whole other level. A Do whole you remember? The the crowd and as part of the college sports are just aided. They, I saw a highlight. I was watching something last night, uh, like tournament coverage, and it was showing some like elite clips of the last decade. And one of them was like uh, 
Duke held off an upset of someone in like the Elite Eight and the place was packed and it was just like this place was going ape shit. I'll never forget watching live. I was doing something at 95.7 back in 2014 or 15, whatever the kick six happened, Auburn, Alabama. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that place is just, I mean, it's like a, you got chills watching it. And I have, I mean, Alabama, Auburn doesn't necessarily mean anything to me, but it was just, it's chilling to watch. And just like you go, but every once in a while, like Yankees, Red Sox, 04, it's like, you're just on the edge of your, you, it's palpable. You feel it. And that's just one thing we've really missed. And it, it it's even watching the Yankee game, like you don't get it with 8,000 people out of 50,000. Like you, no. you do need everyone no. there. By the way, Bruce Feldman tweeted, spoke to an Ohio State source about rumors questioning Justin Fields' work ethic. Couldn't be further from the truth. If anyone could have opted out and still got drafted high, it was him. He stayed, worked hard on his craft. He goes vegan to maintain his body. He's the ultimate competitor. Uh, I, I'd red flag. I don't, I don't know if I love vegans. I don't, you know who too, looks like a vegan? Too, too. Never mind. No. All right. Uh... <laughs> Chargers are for sale. Oh, you know what? You got me on this. Are you you're on Last Chance You Now, the basketball show? Because you got me on the F one show that I started watching the other day. I'm still on season one though. But not that we have how many seasons some, are there? I think the new one that I don't F one show? I think it's three, but other people know better than me because I've only yeah, I'm on maybe. season one. Because I think a new season just dropped, right? Yeah, I, I watched an episode of that last night. Good. Uh yeah, it's pretty unreal. Now it's it's one part is like I don't really want to relive like March, April, June Corona, and that's just kind of part of it. I mean, it, it, no no fault of their own. They're just filming the season. The first oh, yeah. the first race happens in basically the heat of Corona, like March fifteenth. But the lead up to this new owner who's like a Jerry Jones meets like fucking Robert Kraft, huge ego guy. It's fantastic. Like that to me the. The one, I tweeted this last night, like it is made for TV. It, huge money, huge egos, huge, just cutthroat. It to me is what the NFL hard knocks was the first decade when you just felt like, God, guys are getting cut, coaches are cussing, and it was just, no it felt really raw and real. And now it feels like they're so scared of, you know, it just, it's, it, it'd basically well, be like if you told me NBA did a hard knocks, I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of what the NFL feels like. The now. NFL it's used to feel like the down. HBO was in charge, and now it feels like just the team's in charge. Yeah. It sucks. I mean, let's face it. The NFL sucks. This is sweet. Really good. Yeah. Well, how many episodes you in? Uh, two. But I, lo- I mean, it's like, yeah, it's just, I, I, you know what I love about one. it is like you're two episodes in, and then they show the only guy that I recognize, which is, uh, what's his name? Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. I almost said Leonard yeah. Hamilton. And they're like, and then you realize everyone is just competing for like seventh place because Lewis well, Hamilton yeah, he wins. wins. Every, he wins every race. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, in, in this one, one, three, one of these new owners, they like, because in the off season, I guess you can rebuild your car rolls out. They're like, this car just copied fucking Mercedes, which is Lewis who kicks everyone's ass. And it's like, well, that's what I would do too. Yeah. And that's what the guy was saying. It's like, we followed the rules. I guess there are rules that you can only copy so much. It's like, why wouldn't we try to be them? Like, why wouldn't we try to draft Mahomes? Like, it actually made sense. I really don't understand racing from that standpoint. Like, why doesn't everybody just build the same car? I don't get it. I, I don't really. They're clearly rules. It's just, I, I don't quite understand what's going on. I just know it's actually really cool. Like the EPL, or I might be screwing that up when I watch the thing on Man City on Amazon Prime. Here's what I do know. Once you get an in-depth look at those, like the racing thing, at a you know a, a famous European soccer team, you just realize this is a really big deal and it's really cool. There's a ton of money on the line, and it's like 
they're not as PC as we have to be out of like the sensitivity toward like how the reaction's going to be. Are they being too mean to the athlete? <laughs> that's because that's a huge thing in the NFL right now. Yeah. It's like we get guys, you guys cut 50 guys a fucking year. You know, you, you cut half these people in the offseason. We get it. Just show us the, the meetings. That's what we want to see. Show us the meetings. And they stop showing that. You could argue just hard. Just cancel it. Who's it even for? Last year was the lowest rate of hard knocks in like a decade because the consumer knows this is not what I'm watching sucks. Yeah, it's been boring. Well, the other part of it is they it, so much of the conversation going into hard knocks is no one wants to be on it. So the whole buildup yeah. to it is about who is going to get forced to do something they don't want to do. That's where I think and these they other act leagues, like they don't want to be there. That's where I think these other leagues and even I'll recommend this show. I watched one episode of of. Um, the Formula One. Also watch one episode, East LA JC. Mm, last Chance U. Last Chance U. Hoops. Pretty good too. But I think one thing both these have in common is it just, it feels pretty raw and real. It's like, you know, I just, I think we're kind of, now in Last Chance U, sometimes the coach feels like he's putting on a little bit of a show. Uh, but it does just, like, it's just behind the scenes. It's just the opposite of Hard Knocks with both of them. Now they're completely different. Like one's JC, no money. It, honestly, it's like you kind of root for these people, right? You're like, God, that sucks their life. And the JC coach, actually, it's it's really impressive, like the impact the humans within the Formula One. It's just all about money and trying to win. <laughs> it's just very corporate, just which is sweet too, yeah. which I think sells. To me, it's like billions meets the NFL, meets like Europe. <laughs> That's how I equate Formula One. It's really cool. I love I after we after I watched some of it the other day I went straight I saw the my book yeah it's just nice to recognize a couple names Carlos yeah. uh, whatever the guy's name was <laughs> you're locked in yeah, oh yeah well I've like I said I it's it's also like when you when you watch a show now can you watch an hour show just sit there watch it without touching your phone or anything yeah if it's good yeah like a Formula One show could you or oh you not that type of show that? no it'd have to be like a a story like a story show. You know, yeah, like a billions or something. Yeah. yeah. But a Formula One or even like a last chance, you'd like you'd have your iPad or something. That's probably, part of the reason hand. why I don't I probably don't watch it as much is just because it's like, uh, I'm Same. not going to sit here for an hour. Yeah, um, I'm with you. Now, I, I will tell you the show that I'm watching right now. Righteous Gemstones on HBO Max. Somebody <laughs> have you seen this show? I watched a couple episodes a couple years ago and it was pretty funny. Oh, my God. But it, but it, but it, it like it's jumps outrageous. the shark by like four or five. Yeah, it's but just, the, but there I were just a couple episodes so hard. That were it's just, yeah, there were two or three episodes. It starts off really special. It, it starts off because well, you don't even really know special. you don't like. I didn't know. I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah. Doesn't one of the kids sleep with the sister or something? Uh, if or is she that, dating a guy that's kind of weird? She's definitely something? dating a guy that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, so it's a Dan- for the, people who haven't seen. It's Danny McBride. You know, Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Who's the who's the dad? Is it Will Ferrell? No, no, no. The dad is uh what's his name from um Roseanne and uh Oh yeah, the big guy. Yeah. Uh, Dan not Dan Aykroyd. The show but, uh, the movie that like everybody has to tell you is the greatest movie they've ever seen. Yeah, the Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski, yeah. Who I watched over Corona because it was one I of the too. movies I've I've never watched. It was good. Yeah. Like I I liked I, it. I, I this like cult hype, like it was Shawshank Redemption or something. I was like, you know, I don't I liked it. I was with you. It, I had like seen it, but I didn't quite even, I couldn't even have a, I didn't know. I hadn't really seen it. Do you know what it did? Do you know what it forced me to do one night? It's like, you know, 
I, I try to do this, like shake sugars at night, ice cream. Because when I do, I can lose like 10 pounds if I don't eat sugars for like a week. That's my kryptonite. He drinks those white Russians. I'm like, God, fucking white Russian looks fucking tasty. And I made a white Russian. Because I was like, I watched the movie. I'm like, eh. I don't even, honestly, I didn't even think I finished it. I'm like, this, I, I think kind of hot take. I thought it kind of sucked. Partly because it was told to me as the greatest movie ever. But I, I had a white Russian. I was like, white Russians are pretty good. <laughs> Because that's all the guy drank. Remember, he just walked around with the white. Russians. I assume co- coffee, like the liqueur, has caffeine in it. Well, I just put the liqueur, the whiskey, and their the milk. Cream? Yeah, yeah, the cream. But does the liqueur have caffeine? Is it like? No, I, there's no upper. I don't think upper. Because well, alcohol's a downer. I mean, caffeine's an upper. Yeah, it's a good. Maybe they balance each other if there is some of that. Yeah, I, I, to my knowledge, the liqueur. Does not have caffeine, but could be wrong. I just had the Baileys and I had some coffee creamer and I had vodka. I was like, I'll make one. I was like, oh, actually, you know, not bad. <laughs> Something cold sounds good. It's hot today, ladies and gentlemen. I know. It is hot. All right. Uh, on that note, countdown of the Masters is on. Weekend mailbag coming out this weekend, everybody. Let's do it. Oh, John, wait. Before we're done. So while, while we were talking, I tweeted a photo of... Um, Mike Shanahan, I said Niners should send their top scout to watch Trey Lance. Turns out I zoomed in. I think he's golfing in this photo because he's wearing like a glove. Somebody replied, I heard, Marcus says, I heard he was at the Justin Fields Pro Day, but not at Trey Lance's. I texted Lewis Riddick, who was at Ohio State Pro Day that day. I said, did you see Mike Shanahan there? He said, I didn't. Or, or I said, was Mike Shanahan at the Ohio State Pro Day? He said he was not. Mm-hmm. Someone tweeted at me that too. Maybe he was so incognito. I did a little recon. Because I believed it. I was like, God, was Mike there? That'd be a pretty big story, and that'd be a good podcast topic. I was told he was not there. Maybe, but we don't. Maybe he was incognito. Bobby Valentine. Where would you hide, though? Press box. They were in the practice facility. It's like a bubble. Okay. I don't know then. I don't know where you'd hide. And I just think it'd be pretty clear. Wouldn't that be a thing if, like, some team, wouldn't Belichick, like, they had, they had a fourth. They had a fourth team employee there dressed as like an Alabama employee. They had a guy there in uniform like he worked at Alabama, but he actually was the fourth scout for the Patriots. One million percent, if if Mike just got to go by himself and they got to send three people there, if I was another team, I'd be pissed off, right? It's like, no, guys. That would be a big deal. That's why Mike, I think that, Mike would be like, no, well, that, actually, how would I'm that not have a contractor? Mike Shanahan Consulting. Anybody could have you, hired me. Do you follow Ohio State football on uh, like social media stuff? I follow 11 Warriors. I don't know if I follow Ohio State. They they had a pretty sweet tweet of just like talking to like four coaches that were there. It was like Tomlin, McCarthy, Urban. It was just like a minute like after the pro day. You know, clearly their social media guy was like, hey, Mike, could we get five seconds? He's like, I love the guys here. And McCarthy's like, this place is standard. It was just like, guys, this place looked pretty sweet. I just don't see how Mike would have been able to hide in the crew of guys that was there. Urban, Tomlin. I just, I, I think that would have been a story, right? Mike Shanahan at Ohio State. I, I, that's like, what's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. You have I, to I think that was an internet story that was very believable. That doesn't exist. I'd get a big kick out of it. Turning out Mike Shanahan's a shadow scout for the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I think he kind of is. Like there'll be some story that's like, you know, some power struggle. Be like John Lynch loves Solomon Thomas, but. Mike Shanahan loved Deshaun Watson or loved Patrick Mahomes and nobody listened to him. And it's caused a rift in the 49ers front office because Shanahan was trying to call Mike through Shanahan? the draft room and Lynch would not let his call get through to Kyle. 
What if that night, instead of Adam Schefter tweeting John Lynch has been hired as the GM, he tweeted Mike Shanahan's going to be Kyle's GM? Would that have been... Could you have pulled that off, or would he have been fighting an uphill battle? Would that have felt a They'd have been like, Mike, this is nepotism. Mike Shanahan only got the job because his son is the coach. (laughs) The reverse of nepotism, whatever that is. Has that ever happened? Reverse nepotism? Or is nepotism not age... Is nepotism, can you hire an older person, and that's still nepotism? Like a dad. Yeah, I think that... Well, then that's ageism. Remember Jed, when he really took over... People got pissed because he fired some yeah. older people. Remember Mike Shanahan? We talked about this with Schefter. Mike Shanahan was the other name he said when they hired Chip Kelly was Mike Shanahan. Yeah, well, I remember that. Yeah. Well, oh, I know you're going to get the job. Yeah. Crazy. Really is. All right. On that note, see you. Have a great day, people.